Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real-life experiences and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best life. I'm Jenny Taylor. And I'm Michelle Scharf. Today we have with us Peter Anthony. Peter Anthony is a businessman, entrepreneur, and I met him at an entrepreneurial uh, workshop called The Incubator. And I got to hear a great piece of his story. I don't know the whole story. We're going to learn about it today. But he has, he's working on with a group, which we'll have him tell you more about, on um, cyberbullying, which, you know, as a mom and my yeah. former job as a lobbyist, I was all about teaching the community about cyberbullying, about the, the risk of our children and the internet and apps and stuff like that. So, so scary. I was excited to be able to have a little bit deeper conversation and we thought that we recorded. So welcome, Peter. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, ladies. This is going to be a fun, fun morning. I think so too. So Peter, introduce yourself. Well, my name is Peter Anthony Wynn. I am the founder of The Incubator. I have been an author of eight different books on marketing. I have been a speaker for the last four decades, which is very, very trippy. Um, (laughs) Certainly puts me in a space that I never thought that I would get to. Um, I'm a husband and a father, and I just absolutely love impacting people's lives and, and helping them move through whatever's the the roadblock ahead. So generally it's marketing. Marketing always has to do with personal. Where are you at personally? And that comes through in your marketing. So, you know, one of our companies is called Mindset Marketing. So we're really excited to to share with you guys this morning a little bit about my story. I don't generally share this component of my story, but I'm, I'm happy if, if you feel it will help people. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it this morning. So thank you for having me on. Well, thank you. I, I'm really glad that you are on with us. I, Like I said, I, I've been teaching about uh, cyber information and the risk to our children. And I heard a piece of your story and I, I didn't hear much of any <laughs> of the rest of the program. I was there. I just wanted to get to the end of the night so I could talk to you and learn more about your story. What does resilience mean to you? What does resilience mean to me? It's a a huge question, right? I think what resilience means to me, and and I I don't know that I have a definition for resilience. I have a definition for life. I have an outcome of how I want my life to live. And I have an outcome for the husband I want to be, my relationship with my spiritual relationship, how the father I want to be. And then additionally, now that I'm those things, I haven't, you know, I've always had an outcome for the entrepreneur. So the entrepreneur will never quit. He'll never give up. He works through, and that's how we've won so many awards and created hundreds of millions of dollars for ourselves. And then billions probably for the companies that I've helped over the last 40 years. So resilience is something it's, I think it's a mindset. I I Mm -hmm. think it's more of a commitment to your values. Mm -hmm. I would say when you're not resilient, generally it is because your values aren't positioned 
to move you forward. They're not positioned that you're putting out the fire instead of preventing the fire. Everybody has something they will go through. Everybody. Some people go through things that might seem horrible to one person, but are quite average to another group. And then some are just unspeakable. So resilience is, I feel, a reflection of your value system. And when your value system's in alignment, you won't notice it as resilience. You'll just notice it as a state of being. If something throws you off, then maybe that's a moment to put your value system in alignment. In our case, my wife and I, Stephanie, when uh, uh, we lost our child, and that was a moment for our values and our core beliefs to shine through as human beings, as parents, as husband and wife, and as individuals. So I think that we, we spoke about that and we were able to beat the odds, so to speak. But it, it would have happened either way, simply because our values were congruent and in alignment with our outcome. Yeah. And our outcome, yeah, predicts, I think, well, you know, every life has ups and downs. I mean, you read about it in the Bible, the Bhakta Gita, you know, the Quran, all of the Confucius talks about it, Buddha talks about it. We all have ups and downs in our lives. So I think that resilience is really a reflection of the foundation that you've created. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely what it needs to be built upon in order to be strong to get through those hard times, which we will all face. And which is why we have a podcast with never ending stories to tell, right? Everybody has them. Everyone has many. Entrepreneur, you know, on our podcast, No Apologies, we focus on the entrepreneur's journey. You're going to make money. You're going to lose money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going, business is going to be great. And then there's a flood or there's a recession or best employees quit and become your competitors. It doesn't matter. Something is going to show up that's going to test your resolve. And I think resilience is a reflection of resolve. And resolve then becomes equal to your core value values and beliefs. Did you believe that you deserved the life that you've been asking for? And did you prepare to protect that life? You know, I Um, love that. I love the connection between resilience and resolve or just that alignment where maybe if you're feeling you're not as resilient as you want to be, it might be because you are living out of alignment with your values and beliefs. And I love that you brought up the Quran or the Bible or Confucius. I actually teach a class up at Utah State right now that looks at those different ancient religions and ancient philosophy and modern positive psychology to see that so many of those things you've just mentioned, you found them throughout the history of humankind, right? Like these aren't just brand new concepts we've come up with in the 21st century, but they've been studied in different religions and philosophies because they're true, Certain principles of resolve, of of personal alignment, of how you face the world really does kind of influence how you receive the world, right? Like your own paradigm is what your experience is. So I'm excited to learn more about you and your story. Yeah, thank you. And and well done teaching that at one of my favorite schools. It's a good school. Go Aggies. (laughs) Yeah. So well, well done there. Uh, I think that when, when we talk about when we talk about theology, right? And my background in theology is pretty intense. But when we talk about different theologies, 
the one thing that I think that separates Christianity from other theologies is that ability that in Christ's, in the philosophy of Christ, not Christ as a deity, sure. but Christ as a philosopher. In that philosophy, he's the only one who presented a path to resolve guilt through personal forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you study all the other theologies, they actually don't offer that, which separates Christianity deeply. So in my level of resolve, how I've gotten through even the moments that I'm facing today in this last 30 days or the last 60 days as things shift and pivot in our lives, that understanding that we make mistakes, but we are designed to make mistakes and designed to be forgiven for those mistakes so that we can absolve ourselves of the guilt. Because when you hold on to the guilt, there's no way to move forward. All the resolve and resilience in the world will not move you forward if you're burdened with guilt. Because the guilt becomes too heavy and eventually the strength required is too deep and you can't overcome it. So that's sense? Yeah, no, I love it. It's powerful. Let's talk a little bit about that. So we know the disadvantage to hanging on to the guilt. We know the philosophy of the power of letting go the guilt. Can we talk for a minute about how, either in any of your, your studies or your speaking or just your philosophizing? Sure. We, we teach a whole, we teach a whole um, course on Perfect. Teach us. <laughs> because but I'll, I'll start with, you know, the, the, the simple path for, for anybody who's ever studied Christianity. The simple path is redemption, right? You want to redeem yourself. You want to simply forgive yourself first because forgiving yourself, in, the, in my case, we'll talk about it a little bit, but I lost a daughter. As a father, I feel like I have these set of values and responsibilities that are reflective of those values. One of those responsibilities would be to protect your children at all costs, right? That's your design as the patriarch of the family. That is your design as the masculine role within, you know, that's what gives you in your mind, in your ecosystem of your mind, that's what gives you your identity. And when that identity is so directly challenging, and and I'll share this with you, you know, in every language across the world, when a woman loses a man, a husband, there's a word for being a widow. When a man loses a wife, he's a widower, there are words in every language. When a child loses their parents, there is a word in every language for an orphan. In every language, every known language, in all of humankind, there is no word, no word for when a parent loses a child. There's no word to identify them because that level of pain is so deep and it's so out of syntax with what we believe the progression of human life is. It's so out of syntax that it's very hard for a human being to manage it. Yeah. Over 86%, I think you can, you can fact check me. It may be changes. But definitely eight out of 10 marriages will not survive the loss of a child. That's a startling statistic. It's a horrible statistic. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. You know, my wife and I are the exception 
because we're the exception to every rule, because we've set ourselves up in that. And in those moments, I had to support Stephanie in her ability to forgive herself as a mother and as a parent and as a human being that perhaps your child made a wrong decision and, and then you think, you believe that that decision is based on your lack of participation in their life and it has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. This yeah. weekend we're doing Moms Against Cyberbullies. The reason that we're so adamant about that because the influences to our children, to our society, to this moment are designed, they're by design with companies like TikTok, which is completely invasive of the understanding of human behavior and how they're feeding you all these one minute videos, which completely shatters your paradigm of the world. It, it, it completely dilutes one set of values to reinstall another. And anybody who doesn't understand that's really never studied anything about psychology. It yeah. is absolutely divisive. And we're creating an atmosphere environment where we're consuming all this artificial intelligence that's designed. I mean, I'm a marketer. My goal is to persuade you to buy something, <laughs> right? That's what marketing is. Yeah. It's a, the act of persuasion. But now that it's so understood, that persuasion is going to come into conflict with the core values that we know to be true. So to go full circle, the simplest way to start is to understand that we start out imperfectly. We're born into greatness, but we generally along the path choose mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's an interesting. Yeah. We need to forgive ourselves. We need to find a way to get back to our greatness and all greatness is is the, is the understanding of who you are and that we're not perfect. We're, we're the only species that thinks, right? That can communicate in this way, that can change levels of communication, that can, I, that can manipulate in such a deep way our environment. Of course, we're going to make mistakes. We're only here for 75 years on average, 72 years. Like, like if you think about the billions of years of existence, you're here for 72. Yeah, if it, you think in 72 years, you're going to figure it out, you're wrong. Right. You know, it's just Why a speck of time. So, yeah. Shakespeare's so prevalent still because, you know, Romeo and Juliet is still going on. There's still two families, you know. I'm of one faith, you're of another faith. I live on the east side of the valley, you live on the west side of the valley. We come together, you know, your family's one type of, you know, oh, we're still, we're still. Yeah, we're still doing it. <laughs> yeah, we're, still we, we don't necessarily learn even from stories that and no. uh, people have gone on before us. We need to take a break. And uh, when we come back, I want to hop into your, your story, your story of loss and, and how that came about. And we'll be right back. And we're back. Peter, I have loved this conversation. You know that I'm a podcaster and I have this podcast, but I'm actually just recently been certified in the Jay Shetty coaching program. 
all of the concepts that you're talking about are 100% everything that I've just been. I've been involved in self-awareness for 30 years, so it's not like I just stumbled into this. But I wanted to raise myself to the next level, and I wanted to start helping and serving others to be able to get to that next level. And so I went and, and got certified as a coach, and I'm in the process of branding and marketing. And uh, current clients that I, I – thank you – Current clients I'm working with are a lot of what you talked about this morning are exactly the things that we're working to break through. Lack of forgiveness of self, not having a firm foundation in their values and the disconnect that they've lived and how that has created an imbalance in their life. It's repeated stories over and over and over again, and it's unlocking these things that we help bring others freedom, right? And it sounds like you've been doing this a very long time as well. So we have even more reasons to get together and and network and communicate. I love it. I am really interested in hearing your story about the loss of your daughter. Could you share with us what happened? I can share a small piece of what happened. um, I think that, you know, the worst nightmare for a parent, right, is you get a phone call that interrupts your evening or your day. And that's the worst phone call you can get. And that's what my wife and I received six years ago, July. We received a phone call early in the morning. And as prior to the phone even ringing, I knew. I knew like the phone was going to ring. I knew what they were going to say. And and I could feel my wife's consciousness during the evening, the uneasiness. And, you know, you're tied into your children in many different ways, right? Um, so when you when you get that phone call and, and you, you know, you're just, you're never really prepared for it and you're never really understanding of it, but you have, in order to make sense of it, which is, it doesn't make sense, but in order to make sense of the life moving forward, the progression, you have to understand two things, right? You have to understand that you're still all those other things that you've identified yourself as. You're still a wife or you're still a husband. You're still a father. You're still a business owner. You're still a leader within the community. And my wife and I, you know, um, I think harder than the loss of my daughter was the scream of my wife. You know, like that scream will live in my ecosystem forever. You know, um, that's the one thing I can't get rid of. You know, I can move past, but that level of pain, because then I was unable to protect two human beings. So what I have dealt with as the patriarch has been the not only the loss of my daughter, but the pain my wife suffered. And I couldn't protect either one of them from those. And, and the circumstances of her departure are irrelevant, right? They, they seem relevant. You know, as a father, you want to say, oh, okay, cool. Is there, you know, is there something dark and shady about it? And, you know, I grew up on the East Coast in New York. I was born to in Brooklyn to the type of Italian people that you see in movies, you know? And so my nature was to go find the culprit 
Secret right? bench. And then I also simultaneously, because, you know, I, did, you know, I, yeah. I, I studied pre-law. My friends are all in the service or in, in the Pentagon. You know, like then I have two sides of this, two dichotomies of this wild life, you know, and, and both sets of, which was interesting, both sets of my friends said, whatever you need us to do, we will do. But then I prayed on it and the, that answer to my prayer wasn't the expectation that I thought it would be. I thought that the answer to my prayer was I was going to suit up, go out there and vindicate my daughter. And then the answer to the prayer was in that process, I would then be leaving three children fatherless, three additional children. So you have to, you, you really have to balance out what's truly important and what was truly important at that moment was taking care of my wife taking care of my children mm -hmm. and somebody I, I, i've I contributed several chapters to several books on on loss and i think the people don't understand it they, they you should never ask somebody how did it happen mm-hmm worst question for one because you're asking then that person to relive it and you don't mean to put them in pain mm -hmm. you mean to tell them that you're empathetic mm -hmm. so but yet every single person says well how did that how did it happen the natural curiosity mm -hmm. what i would suggest is if you ever know somebody who's in that pain help them refocus on a compelling future that empowers them say, can you help me move this sofa today? The, you're, you're now getting them out of, as long as they know that they're strong and they're capable and they're, and they're still useful, because there's going to be moments where they won't feel useful. They will feel disempowered. They will feel confused. Your goal as a human being to get them through those moments is to give, to re-empower them based on re-engaging their usefulness in society mm -hmm. and specifically to you. People will do more to help others than they will to, to help themselves. In knowing and understanding that, the best thing you can do for that human being who's in pain is to help realign them with their purpose by, by getting them to help. And that's something I know for a fact Jay doesn't teach because he doesn't truly understand it yet. You know, he understands things on a. On he, a he actually does. He, he does talk about service. He, he does, does talk, talk about service. I, does, I know him very well. Yeah, he does, he talk, does about talk about service, service and. Not and, service and loss. No, he doesn't. Not and I would say that I would love Most to help them don't. write their uh, grief section. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Most people don't understand service and loss because most people, like in, in, in his case particular, he's never lost a girlfriend. Mm hmm. You know, after three years, he, he was asked by the monks to move on. And then in moving on, he came back to the UK, um, reconnected with his girlfriend. And, and they've been in love ever since. And yeah. dedicating. But it's hard to tell somebody how to lose weight if you've never been fat. Right. Absolutely. Because all you can bring to the table is eat less and exercise yeah. more. But the emotional component, the strain of being, having that self, being self-aware that you don't fit in is much more difficult. So it's hard for certain 
at people to coach people through that. Mm-hmm. I can only coach somebody from through. I, I, Absolutely. It's a part of the story. Yeah. I want to, this is the most interesting part of the story. We build courses. We've built courses for Jay Shetty. We've built courses for Les Brown. We've built courses for Tony Robbins, Jack Canfield. I build courses. I'm the guru people come to and say, hey, can you help me build my course and design it? In that, six years ago, I get a, a phone call from one of my colleagues and they say, listen, my friend wants to build this course on bereavement. And I'm like, he lost his son and this is six weeks before I lost Emma. And I called him up and I said, listen, I'd love to help you. I said, but this is, I know nothing about this area. This is something I cannot help you on. I can build courses on many things, you know, divorce, relationships, all that stuff. That's easy because I've been through that, you know, Mm -hmm. building wealth, losing wealth, rebuilding, all of that stuff's easy. But that one, I said, I just, I don't know. I said, send over your stuff and I'll take a look at it. Six weeks to the day, we lost my daughter. Mm. And I helped them build out their books, their courses over the following two years. But I never could have done it because I couldn't, the old Peter Anthony could never have imagined how to help somebody. I would have done the same thing everybody else does as like, are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, how did it happen? I would have asked all the wrong questions Mm -hmm. because I couldn't understand the grief, no matter how much you play the part and act through it. There's no way you can understand it. There's just no way Mm -hmm. because too many things are happening simultaneously that are firing off. I agree with what you said. Once we walk through it, we have a deeper level of empathy and understanding and there's a lot of different layers to different kinds of loss so you're you're changed on a cellular level yeah you know when we understand that sounds create vibration right we understand that words have power and that words can change us change us on a cellular level events change our culture on a cellular level well that event changes the human being in a way that no one can predict. No one, mm-hmm. not even the human being. You could think you're the strongest person in the world and fall to your knees. You I could think love... you're the weakest person in the world and rise up. I love that you say that because I feel like when my husband was killed, I felt like half of me died that day, but it wasn't the left half or the right half or the top or the bottom. It was half of every cell in my body. Like I, I feel like I am a different person today than I was five well, years you, ago. You, you died that day. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the you the I was. You died Absolutely. in that moment. And that's something that I would love to flesh out more. Let's take one more quick break and then come back. This has been really eye-opening. I've taken a whole bunch of notes of things that you've said that Align with things I've thought, and yet you've taken it to the next level by putting it into to some concise words for me. So thank you. We'll be right back. Peter, we're back. I wish we had hours to talk with you. I love what you mentioned about 
empowering people who experience loss. And I'm, of course, my mind goes to my own journey or my own children in our loss. And it is the natural instinct when someone we know loses someone or experiences hard things that we want to coddle them. We want to baby them. We want to comfort them and take everything away from them. When in reality, that just leaves that person feeling more helpless or powerless or like the, you know, kicked and beaten down puppy. I love what you've said. Well, let's give them give them a task or a job that reminds them of their power. And I really love what you said. I really loved what you said about, you know, we're born into greatness, but somewhere along the line, we just all choose mediocrity. And I think that happens, especially in loss. We, the narrative in our head can be, well, I could do this except for it's been so hard because I lost this person, or this has been so hard since I'm grieving. And we almost make the excuse in our head rather than choosing greatness over that mediocrity. So I'd, I'd love to learn more about that. And I don't know what else you want to share. I wish we had days and days to talk, but clearly I'll be mm-hmm. learning more from you after this short episode. <laughs> Overwhelm them with purpose. I'm going to put that on my bathroom mirror to remind me how to I help my kids. That, yeah, I think that we forget what we've endured as a race. You know, I can't imagine being part of the Holocaust. I can't imagine living in Rwanda in the 1990s and being Immaculate Ibubuza. Like, I can't imagine being stuck in my house hiding in a bathroom for six months while my relatives were literally being killed and murdered six inches from the the wall that I was hiding behind. So I, I think that there's so much that we can do and we underestimate our own resiliency, right? To, to, to bring it again, full circle to your show. I don't think we can underestimate it and it's impossible to overestimate. You're completely capable of any change that you want to endure anything. Yeah. Um, And you're born into that greatness. You're born into that capability. But people, because we choose as a culture mediocrity, people will choose the path of the smallest and lowest resistance, which creates the tiniest of muscles. So, And the tiniest of results in life, the tiniest amount of happiness. There's so much more beyond whatever obstacle you're facing. And a lot of it is our mindset and it's it's deeper than toxic positivity it's deeper than just calling it out and saying just be happy or just go do or just whatever it takes courage it takes courage to face the dark and to be able to step forward and through it but the only way through any of our loss is through it may may i give another an additional perspective may i have permission Mm-hmm. I think it does take courage, but I also think that on the flip side, it can take naivety. Yeah. The more yeah. naive we are, yeah. the more likely we are to move forward. Courage <laughs> is not something you know, when you study people who are called courageous, when you do the work, which we've done for, you know, I was with Tony Robbins for 30 plus years. When you do the work and you understand and, and do the research and courage, those people didn't think they were being courageous. They weren't, no. they, they just reacted 
because of the dynamic. But if they started thinking about what's going to happen to my body when I run into that, you know, 5,000 degree fire and, and, and start running through a minefield, they wouldn't have done it. Now, on the flip side, when you start to do studies, and I think Harvard and Princeton have done studies, maybe it was Stanford. I always forget the, the super schools that do these studies. They had questioned a series of people who committed violent crimes, violent crimes, that they're in life, they're in jail for life, they're, they're, or, or their lives are being threatened. They said, did you, and they said, we never thought that we would be that person. And that decision that bad decision happened in a moment. It is exactly the same as the good decision of the courageous person. It happened without thought. That reaction to the trigger where we're either taking a life because we believe we're protecting our own or putting our life in risk to protect somebody else's, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's a trigger that happens. I don't know that it could be taught, but I would tell you that naivety could be taught. That, that, that if, if we dilute the veil of the, or the overconscious people talking about all of these new things that you have to address, you're, you're making it harder for people just in and of itself, all of the rules and confines and constructs that we put on pronouns today, right? Makes people less respectful because it creates resentment where someone who grew up respectful would be respectful to everybody regardless of pronoun regardless of idealism right because they were taught to just love everybody mm -hmm. they wouldn't discern but when you're told that you need to love this person more and this person's different and as soon as you tell them as soon as you introduce that to the philosophy that lack of naivety creates conflict in our minds and we're not able to move forward as freely as possible as we possibly could so i think that uh, the the level I, I think naivety is underestimated right if i knew if i knew then what i know now about being an entrepreneur i would have gotten a job if i knew then what i know now about being married i'd have stayed single <laughs> <laughs> If I knew then what I know now about having four children, I maybe would have had one, but none would have been a good option. You know, <laughs> you know so the, our hindsight becomes twenty twenty, and our naivety is what drives us forward as a culture, as a species, as a as a, as human beings. Because we get to explore that, and when we take the challenge to do it, I think we really run into something beautiful and wonderful, and we can increase our awareness. I think that things like maybe AI would be a consideration of that. That's diluting our naivety. It's mm -hmm. it, it making wisdom. I mean, imagine like, you know, wisdom is now on demand. Yeah. Like you can become wise instantly. That's that, that takes out the, um, the cellular change that we were talking about that that experience will give us because now we get to avoid most of the experiences that create character and character is the one thing that can't be defined. Right. You know, outcome can be defined, but character can't be defined. So it's interesting. You know, it, it's interesting. I don't know if that's helpful. I know. I love this. It's almost as if the naivety we're looking for is takes us back to that innate capacity. We have that greatness that comes with us yes. because we're human beings that then 
we overthink. I know I'm an overthinker. Let's be honest. I am an overthinker. And I've I've written some notes to just stop overthinking it because my my inner person probably knows better where to go, what to do, how to achieve greatness, then my analytical worried person thinks Absolutely. I have to find my own path think about and when we're children. trip yeah. myself when we're children, left and right. We think we can do anything. If you yeah. tell my child, to, you know, it's like, Papa, why can't I be president? Of course you can. Sure. And that moment you can, you don't see the barriers, the obstacles, the, the attri- you don't see that. You but see, over time oh, we tell ourselves, I couldn't, I could never do that. I'm not good enough for that. I couldn't over, or I'm how not many smart times? enough. Or when, not- when someone goes through a trial, we naturally say, oh, I could never overcome that. I mean, oh, we tell ourselves all the time yeah. how incapable we are. I'm loving this naivety that just reminds us as a human race how capable we've always been. Yeah. So, okay, sure. Peter, you've got to tell us where do we learn more how do we find you? How do we find all this coursework? It sounds like you've guided every other guru that has been guiding the rest of us for decades. I want your books. I want advice. your website. I want, I want all the free advice. <laughs> well, you can go to the incubatormastermind.com. Okay. And you can find out when our next events are. You know, we do events. Um, we have a whole event list. Our, I'm pretty sure our app was launched yesterday in the app store, the Incubator Mastermind. Okay. Um, you can follow me on YouTube. We do have a the podcast, No Apologies. On YouTube, are you Peter Anthony or are you The Incubator? The Incubator and okay. Peter Anthony. Both, okay. You can find me on both. Yeah, we're, we're, our SEO is pretty strong. I imagine and, it. I imagine it is. <laughs> yeah. So, And there's a lot of really cool Peter Anthonys. There's Peter Anthony Holder, the comedian. There's a couple of cool Peter Anthonys, some designers, and you know, but. So um, I won't I'm miss out if I find the wrong one. No, you're going to find it. It's going to be a great journey. And. And thank you so much for having me on. I mean, you know, I, I hope that Moms Against Cyberbullying, I, I will share with you everything that we talked about. It's really important that you understand that all of the things that you guys are sharing about resiliency starts with mindset and that mindset needs to be monitored. Yeah. Right. We need to monitor our children. You know, we need to stand behind states like Montana. And I'm all for social media platforms, but not divisive ones, you know? So I I think we need to, we need to be able to, as a culture, take a pause, look at something, determine what's going to be good for us and and what might not nurture us in the direction that we want if it's not used properly. So no, that's so true. Thank you so so much. This was really a lot of fun. I didn't think it was going to be as much fun as it was. I know. I I sense that. You've got a great energy. Yeah. I sense that this morning. I'm like, come on, Peter. You've got this. You've got this. This is not going to be hard. It's just a conversation. Oh, no, no, no. I've done a million podcasts. But I was like, oh, you know, resilience again. You know, like, we're going to talk about it. You know what? I feel like resilience has been overused in media in the past maybe five years it's been overused right but your slant is different my slant is different and we do have people coming on and sharing their traumas with us and and a lot of you have a great tattoo on your wrist oh i have many um she's got a new one every time i see her (laughs) yeah there's one can you see it people ask me all the time oh there you go what does it say and it's incepto ne disetan it means never shrink your purpose. Oh, oh I goodness. love that. 
I might have to steal I'm that one for my next tattoo. There oh, we go. Don't steal it. Borrow it. It's not. I didn't invent Latin. <laughs> I know. But it, you guys can get the purpose. tattoos. I will put the post-it note on my bathroom mirror. <laughs> same idea. Same idea. Just no needles my, involved. My bishop's not happy about my tattoos, but it's all good, man. Yeah. Good, you know? So I do think oh, resilience so has been good. often overused in media, and it, it's definitely Brene Brown made it a very much a. a a quest, a, a, a key word that people yeah. have just picked up and run with it. But the part that people are missing is that it's actually a muscle that we have to strengthen and use. Yes. And Love so that. I am really, and as, as we move the show forward, I'm really wanting to build more mindset around that concept of what you just shared today, that we have the ability, but we also have to, we have to do the work before the trauma. Right. Have you met Have you met Marie Cosgrove? No. Okay. Please remind me. I, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of gurus who who actually are in the resilience space. Uh huh. That are really cool. Yeah, I, I would love to meet her. I I'm working on my own coaching platform on resilience, uh, resilience mm-hmm. and awareness coach. But I I think that it's so important that people understand and. People would say to me all the time, you're so strong. I couldn't get through this, whatever. And a couple things that I didn't necessarily feel strong because I just lost my husband. And I also felt like that put undue pressure on me to like be something for them. But the reality is I knew that I would get through it. And I knew it because I had already lived a life full of really hard, difficult trials that I knew how to get through. And so I I knew that I would achieve it and I had a support system. You had a framework. I had a framework to work inside and it's why I'm able to be where I'm at today. And uh, resilience is a mindset. I think that it is. It's a mindset. We a culture, we have a culture of protecting mm-hmm. and we have a culture of edifying and we have a culture of you know, enablement. Yes. Right. Versus, Hey, you know what, you know, what's interesting is if you look at the culture of the, of the early 20th century in America during the progression and industrial age in the late 1890s through the early 20th century, we had a mindset of, we can do it. We can overcome the environment. We can overcome this war. We can overcome the depression and the fall of the banks. We can overcome Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. We can overcome Pearl Harbor, right? So if you think about it, we had this level of maybe a, a false bravado, which everybody thinks is false now, but I think it it's so important. What They say that hard times create strong human beings. Strong human beings create soft times. Soft times create weak human beings. Weak human beings create hard times. Yep. And it keeps going. And and I think we're in that cyclical moment. So I love that you're bringing this back to the forefront um, and you're you're making people level up. Yeah. Just level up, man. Yeah, it's time to level up. Because we can. That's the thing. Because we we can. can. And we're in a society right now where there's a lot of changes going on economically, politically, there's a lot of unrest. People feel it. They don't feel confident. But you know what I know about myself and about the human spirit is just the things that you said. 
we have a great ability to step up to the challenge. So it's not about being fearful of the challenge. It's about rising to the occasion. Yeah, it's about it's about encouraging challenges. Yeah, like I, we, I want to be challenged. Yeah, I you know, it's like, hold on a second. I woke up. It's sunny again. There's no rain. I turned on the water. It came out. It's clean. I, you know, I took a shower. I put on my really cool Versace suit. It's so wonderful <laughs> that I have everything I want. And then the people who have everything they want. They become substance abusers. Right. The rock stars become the substance abusers. And then when they start to lose everything, they're like, hold on a second. Maybe I didn't have my character in alignment. And then then yeah. they become like beautiful vegans who stop drinking alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> then they find whatever their spiritual journey is. Then they realize, oh, maybe those guys had it right. Yeah. And you see that on repeat all the time, right? You see it on repeat. And it's it's not really about wealth and money like wealth and money will never bring you happiness. I'm going to close because we've got to go. We've got another guest coming on in two minutes, but I uh, want to close with this statement that my late husband used to always say, if you can't be happy with nothing, you'll never be happy with anything. Oh, that is so good. Going on a post-it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, truth, right? my I hope I can meet you someday. Yeah. This is oh, incredible. You can. can you introduce uh, yeah. us? Oh, this is, I just want to come sit. He has in. meetings all the time and, I, and you might yeah. really enjoy it. In fact, so much of what you said, like my cellular level of existence recognizes what you're saying. I agree. I mean, like, I just, I feel it. I feel it. You don't have to convince me. I'm like, yep. Uh-huh. Amen. That's words for what I feel. So. Well, Peter, Anthony, I really appreciate having you uh, on today. Thank you for joining us. And I'm sure I'll see you at one of your other events next time. I hope to come early so I can get an understanding of what I've walked into before. They happen once a month. Yeah. You can find them on the incubatormastermind.com forward slash events. Okay. All of our events are listed. Register. We do events from Logan all the way to St. George. Okay. Okay. To all of our listeners, I hope to see you at one of those masterminds. And as you've listened, I'm sure you've realized these kinds of conversations are so powerful and so empowering. And that's what this podcast is all about. So, Peter, thank you for joining us. Listeners, thank you for joining with him and us. And if you are listening and have a story you're willing to share or maybe some of those tools of resilience and just aha moments that you've had in your life, please contact us. We would love to hear from and learn with you. You can find us on social media at Relentlessly Resilient Podcast or email us at rrpodcast at ksl.com. And remember, whatever you do today, remember to be kind. You have no idea the struggles others are dealing with in their lives. Have a great day. Thanks, Peter.